Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are here with us today. Lord, we, de- we declare hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord this morning. We declare that you are a great God, that you are high above every God. You are awesome in all of your ways. Lord, you are holy, holy, holy. Lord, your majesty is beyond compare. Lord, that you are high and lifted up, and your train fills the temple this morning. Lord, let your glory fill this place as your glory fills the earth. Let it fill this house right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we choose to give you thanks this morning. Lord, if you never did anything for us, you are still worthy. You're still worthy of our praise and our thanksgiving. Because we have breath, because we have life, because we have a roof over our heads, because we have food, you are worthy of our thanks. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. Um, for those of you who don't know, we've been going through a series on revivals and uh, what those. We've done a lot of Old Testament. We've we've uh, jumped into the New Testament a little bit. I, uh, I last week we talked about uh, an awakening and really what the you know we have. Um, uh, the word is blank. I'm blanking on the word. Um, we have renewal in the church where, you know, God visits his church and uh, does a lot to just renew us, um, to show us he loves us, to just visit us and bless us. Uh, revival is when you um, take kind of the next step and uh, you have a lot of people come in, uh, and a lot of salvations. Uh, an awakening is when society is changed. It's not just a bunch of salvations, but, you know, it's like everybody in, in the town, everybody in a region get saved and everything all of a sudden things things are changed and we've seen a number of different awakenings happen in this country and outside the country um i shared a one of my favorite illustrations last week from almalonga guatemala where um the whole town was was changed uh because uh people began to pray and get saved and and all of a sudden jails closed and bars closed and closed and uh you know the agriculture you know doubled tripled quadrupled uh in size and and frequency and you know i believe that god can do that here today as well so this morning i'm going to share an old testament passages um probably one of the favorite stories if you will that uh, people might know growing up and it's it's one of the times where i believe we see one of the biggest changes virtually overnight to an entire society and that is with Jonah Jonah if you uh, I've preached on Jonah before this is going to be a little bit different message but uh, so Jonah if you want to go get turn that to Jonah in your Bible I'm going to tell the story it's it's a very short book it's only like four chapters and the, the chapters are fairly 
uh, short, so if you wanted to read it really quickly, you, you could. Uh, but I'm just going to tell us the story. Um, in fact, um, I, I don't normally do this, but my, my outline, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the story uh, of, of, of Jonah, what happens to give everybody kind of an overview. If you don't, if that's not on the tip of your mind, what, who's Jonah and what did he do? Um, so I'll share that. Then I'm going to explain it a little bit. Um, because you know, honestly, I until this week when I really was studying and asking the Lord, what's up with Jonah? Because it, it really ends weird. And Jesus, it, have you noticed that? It ends like, like what's the meaning of this? And I, I did not get Jonah really until this week. And uh, so hopefully I can share a little bit of that with you. And if that's your thing, you'll, maybe you'll get it too and have a light bulb pop on in your head and go, oh, wow, there's a reason God put this crazy book in here um, about this, this really weird guy named Jonah. And, um, but then I also want to take one step further and, and really try to apply this to us in a way that we can hopefully grasp hold. And, and um, I think some people are going to get set free of some things and we can grasp hold of some stuff of we can, we can, uh, what we can do to see revival here um, and an awakening here. So uh, Jonah, Jonah was a, a prophet for uh, Israel. Okay, now when, when I say Israel, remember there's two, at this time there's two kingdoms, right? Uh, there is the northern kingdom of Israel, uh, Samaria. Um, so th- these are the ones that, the kings that did not have a Davidic uh, bloodline. They were not sons of David, right? Uh, and jo- Israel had a lot of mess, if you will, with their kings because it was like, okay, look, one king would arise and then, you know, somebody killed that king off and he'd become king and... Um, so Israel is where Jonah came out of. You have Judah in the south, but um, uh, Jonah was more a uh, prophet to the uh, kingdom of Israel in the north. So the book starts out, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, Arise and go to Nineveh. Um, Kiri, would you put that, uh, put that picture up for me? Arise and go to Nineveh. Um, if you can see... So Samaria is here, okay? This is approximately where uh, Jonah was, all right? Samaria. Arise and go to Nineveh. So what does Jonah do? He, uh, he goes and takes, by the way, Nineveh is over here, okay? Okay, so Jonah, what does he do? He takes the first boat. Do you need a boat to get over here? No, no. <laughs> right? Arise and go to Nineveh. He, he goes down to Joppa, takes a boat, uh, and it says that he, he wants to go to Tarshish. Well, if you, if you know your geography at all, okay, this is um, the Mediterranean Sea. Here is, what, the boot, Italy. Well, Tarshish, over, if you'd go over here, about right here, this is Spain, okay? That's where Joan is going. <laughs> Where's Nineveh? Okay, now do you get it? <laughs> so... I don't know that they know the, the exact route, but they probably, to get way over there, they would have hugged the coastline. And so somewhere in here, um, thank you for the lights, somewhere in here, um, Jonah, Jonah gets on the boat and heads west. He goes the opposite direction of where God said. God said, stay on the land and go east. So what does he do? He hops on a boat and goes west. 
All right? I'm going to flee from the presence of God. I'm going to go as far as I can to get away. One of those reasons is because Nineveh uh, was the, um, um, the kingdom of... Oh, I'm blanking on the name. That's terrible. Um, Assyria, thank you. So the, uh, the Assyrians are the enemy of, of Israel. And not too long past Jonah, Assyria is going to come and destroy Israel. All right, so consider that. So um, God tells Jonah, arise and go to your enemy and cry against them. And Jonah says, look, I know what's going to happen. You see this a little bit later in the book. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go in there and you're going to have grace and mercy because you're always gracious and merciful. And you're going to give grace and mercy to our enemies instead of killing them like you should. So I'm going to go away from God as far as I can. So what happens? He gets on the boat. They, they probably hug the coastline. Somewhere around there, a big storm comes up. Jonah has gone into the below in the hold of the boat and is fast asleep. Big storm arises. And everybody's going, okay, why is it, this storm so bad? We can't get out of it. We can't do anything. It's about to tear the boat apart. And so... Being good sailors of the day, they're saying, they start calling on their own gods and say, okay, would God of whatever, would you, would you help us? God of the sea or God of the land or God of this, what, would you help us? And um, they, they finally uh, cast lots. Uh, who, who's, who's made the mess with this storm? And then the lot comes to, to Jonah. So they go and wake up Jonah and say, what have you done? They say, well, here's the case. God told me to go this way. I went that way instead. And uh, they said, and, and the God I serve is the God of heaven and earth. He's the one who made it all in the first place. And they all kind of said, what have you done? And Jonah says to them, look, if you will throw me overboard, the sea will calm down for you. Well, they said, you know, if you serve that God, we don't really want to throw you overboard to begin with, so we'll try to get to shore. And they tried to row to shore, and it didn't work. So what do they do? They, they, they take him up, they toss him overboard into the raging sea, and all of a sudden, the sea becomes placid, calms down. Now, these sailors um, go from being a, a, a typical sailor to a typical saint. They all of a sudden go, wow, there is a God, and the gods that we have been serving are not the right gods. <laughs> so they, they, the, the whole ship gets converted. It says that they, they um, worship uh, Yahweh God and make sacrifices and, and oaths to him. So this, number one, so this Jonah character who goes totally the opposite direction, rebels against the all of a sudden, uh, because of him, a whole ship's gotten saved. Wow. So, of course, you know the story. Jonah gets thrown into the, to the ocean, into the water, right? And God, it says he commands a fish, as Jonah's going down, commands a fish to swallow Jonah. We assume it's a whale. I don't know. It could have been something else. I, I, I saw some other reports. It could have been a dogfish or a shark. Don't really know. There are reports, though, of, of men who have been... As swallowed by a whale, 
Um, even reports from the, I believe it was 1800s, where a guy uh, was swallowed, and then when they started, it was during the whaling days, they, they started cutting open the whale, and the guy was in there and still fine. Um, there was a, a diver just recently, got kind of uh, sucked into a whale and spit back out. And so we, regardless of what it was, it was miraculous. All right, there's a, because of the miraculous nature, a lot of people go, did this really happen? You know, did, did, did this fish really, is, or is this just kind of a made-up story? Now, we, the whole Bible is miraculous, right? So, I mean, God creating the heaven and the earth is miraculous. God uh, taking the people of Israel out of Egypt is miraculous. There's no reason to doubt that, that God caused this miraculous event because no matter what it was, it was a miraculous thing that a fish would swallow a guy and he'd survive for three days, Right? So uh, we don't exactly know where this fish spat up um, Jonah onto the land, but uh, it says um, Jonah kind of had a, a come-to-Jesus moment before Christ. He came you know, in the belly of the whale and said, Okay, Lord, you, know, you are God, I am not, and thank you, Lord, for saving me, and um, I'm going to go do what you want me to do. That's basically all of chapter 2. Um, it's a whole very poetic uh, format. Um, by the way, the whole book is is put together beautifully. It is it is not a haphazard uh, book. It's it's set together in, in um, you know the first part is very um, symmetrical with the second part. Uh, it has the exact same things happen except different uh, ways. It, it's just it's a it's put together, put together in a way only God can put it together. It's just intricate. And um, so this, the, whale, the whale, the big fish, spits out Jonah, and God calls, says again, Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh and declare to them um, what's going to happen. So Jonah this time does. Now, he goes to Nineveh, and it says Nineveh is a great city. Uh, which is actually, it's called uh, a great city when it was uh, founded back in Genesis. So it's, it kind of carries on the title. Um, it says it's, it's a city that takes three days to go across. Now, archaeologists have found Nineveh, that area, and um, it's, it's not that big. So trying to reconcile those two, now it could be that there, it could have been a larger place, but what it looks like is that the area that was around Nineveh would be that area. So instead of Nineveh like proper, um, it would be the whole area of, of Nineveh, which would be about the, the, the size to, to go three days through with 120,000 people. That's, a, that's a, the size of the, of the group. That's a, that's a lot. Um, now, People, there are, there's an argument there that says 120,000 that couldn't tell the right from their left. Some people go, okay, well, does that mean it's, it's 120,000 kids, right, before, you know, younger than the age of, you know, three or four? Or does that mean that the people of Nineveh um, really were not very educated? They, and that's probably what it, what it is, is that the people of Nineveh really weren't um, it doesn't say why they would not be educated, but they really just weren't aware. Um, so that's probably what it is. But it's 120,000 people, and Jonah is supposed to go to this city. 
and it says that he went through and started uh, preaching uh, to Nineveh. Um, and what happens? They all go, you know what? We don't want to be destroyed. It says the king made an edict and said, okay, everybody put on sackcloth and uh, fast. I don't want anybody to eat or drink. I don't even want your, your beasts, your, your horses, your, your cows, your donkeys. And nobody eats or drinks for the, you know, everybody fast. Maybe God will preserve us. Maybe God will be, be merciful. So Jonah gets done with his business and then goes and uh, he's somewhere outside of town to be able to, uh, to view what's going on. He's probably thinking, now is this going to be kind of a Sodom and Gomorrah thing where you know, God rains down and all of a sudden they're kapoosh? And uh, he's watching. And it says he built a little uh, tabernacle, a little hut. Okay, probably something like they would, they would build uh, for the Feast of, ta- of Tabernacles. Um, so he built a little hut, but he's out in the desert. And uh, God caused a plant. I uh, don't know what kind of plant it is, but um, uh, people guess a gourd. Uh, there are some plants in the area that, that grow very, very quickly, and they, they have leaves that are, that are about a foot across. Um, but some sort of plant that grows up really quickly and uh, added to the shade that Jonah had. Well, Jonah is is upset at God because God was merciful and gracious to the people of Nineveh. Lord, I knew this is what was going to happen. You're always and he, he quotes he quotes Exodus. Uh, you're you're just you're you're long suffering. You're merciful. You're gracious. I knew that's why I didn't want to come here in the first place. It's because I knew you wouldn't actually go through with it. People wonder, you know, why could it be that he's, he's looking at himself, you know, going, I'm, I'm going to look like a, a not true prophet? Or is it just that he is, um, he doesn't have the right heart? Which I think is probably more the case. Because God showed him also, see this plant grew up and then God caused a worm to eat the plant and then he God beat down on him with the sun and the wind and he's like I'm upset and I'm about to die and God said well are you are you really let me, let me just read that little part to you verse 9 in chapter 4 and, uh, God, said, God said to Jonah do you have good reason to be angry about the plant he said I have good reason to be angry even to death the Lord said you had compassion on the plant for which you didn't work. You did not cause it to grow. It came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I, God, not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who don't, do not know the difference between their right hand as well as many animals? And it ends, it ends right there. Which is really odd. We don't know what happens to Jonah. Does, does he? Does he? Does he go? Huh? You're right, Lord. You know? Does he have an aha moment, or does he just go back to Israel and say, "You know what God did? He threatened to do." I, we don't know. But it's. Uh, you see, this I believe. I believe this whole passage is a sign 
for Israel. And Jesus calls Jonah a sign. And I believe what, what we see is that um, this whole idea of Jonah going to the enemies of God and then the enemies of God converting is supposed to be a sign for Israel, the northern kingdom of, uh, you know, the greater you know, Jewish nation, for them to actually do the same thing. Hey, if those people can do it, we should do it. If God's going to be gracious for them, God would be gracious for us. If they're experiencing God, we should do that because that's, that's, this is our God. It's not their God. It's our God. We should have that. So Jonah, when he goes to, um, when he goes to Nineveh and preaches uh, against Nineveh, um, it, it's really a... Uh, can't do that. Uh, it's for, it's for a, a sign, I believe, for Israel. And I believe that Jonah is a representative, if you will, for Israel. Remember... Um, uh, Hosea, right? What Hosea is a is a analogy, right, um, for God and uh, for Israel, right? The love that God has for His people, and um, he's like, Hosea, go go take your, uh, a prostitute for a wife, right? Am I thinking of the right prophet? Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. Right. You know, but that's the love that God has. And you, you, what God is saying with Hosea is, you've gone astray, but I love you. I'm going to come after you because you've gone astray. With, with Nineveh, with Jonah, um, Jonah is supposed to go to them, and uh, I believe Jonah represents the feeling of Israel, the northern kingdom. Okay, that's why um, they, you know, the people of Nineveh all repent, you know the whole the whole place of him repents. You know the king the king has everybody in uh, dressed in sackcloth. Everybody fast beasts and everybody everybody fast. The whole place repents and change. We don't know we don't know how much they worship God. It doesn't really say, but the, they all we do know they all repented to to the point that God saw and spared them. But Jonah didn't like it. Jonah was upset, and I think what you're seeing with Jonah, what it's supposed to be, is God showing grace and favor to the people of Nineveh, which should give um, Israel that that push to have grace and favor from God as well. But instead, I believe the attitude that you see from Israel is the same attitude that you have in Jonah. Okay? The same attitude that Israel has is the same attitude that Jonah has. Why do I say that? So that the, when the people of Israel get this story, or even the people of Judah, that they will look and they will, they will look at Jonah's attitude and say, do we have that same attitude? Or should we rejoice when God gives grace and mercy to another people group? See what I'm saying? It's a sign. Jonah's supposed to be a sign of the, the yuck in the people of Israel at the time. 
the yuck in their heart. Do we have that same attitude and should we change it? Because it's very obvious that Jonah has the wrong attitude and God is tried, trying to even give him grace and mercy and he's like, I don't care, I just want to die. So, let me, um, yeah, let me say one other thing. You know, it's really interesting in, um, in the New Testament. Um, I've got a, if you want to go, we're not going to go there, but if you have to look um, in Matthew 12, uh, in, in Matthew 16, and also in Luke 11, um, it, the people are asking Jesus for a sign. Would you give us a sign? Show us who you are. And Jesus says, you wicked and perverse generation, no sign is going to be given to you except for the sign of what? Jonah. Wait a second. Jonah's this guy that when God says to go one way, he went the other. Jonah's this guy who experienced, the whole boat was saved, then a whole nation, you know, city-state came to know, and, and he's upset about it. What do you mean? I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah. Well, part of it was that Jonah was in the belly of the earth, if you will, for three days, right? We spit spit back out of the fish and then went and preached and had a great conversion. Now, by the way, we don't know where Jonah was spat up, okay, onto the land. But it's really interesting that um, one of the Assyrian gods was a fish, That was, the, that was kind of the, the symbol. So God used one of the, if you will, fake gods from Assyria to show, hey, you know, the real God has power over all of this. So if, if Jonah, and we don't know what Jonah said, okay, so much. We have one little phrase, what he said to the Ninevites, okay? But if he said, hey, look, I was in the belly of a fish, they go, whoa. You came from God, right? God sent you to us. Don't know, but that's a very good possibility that that added into the message that, that God had. But back to Jesus, the, the sign of Jonah, that he was, he was in the, if you will, in Sheol, because that's, that's the whole idea of going to the very depths of the earth, and then uh, three days, and then he came and, and preached Right, Jesus, right? He was in the grave for three days and he came. But if you think about it, what happens with Jesus is that um, he, he died for his enemies. Right? For the ones who, who um, killed him, he died for. Just like with Jonah preaching to the people of Assyria, the ones who were going to come and destroy Israel, Jonah went and preached to. And they were, the, those enemies were supposed to end up being a sign to Israel. Which is exactly what Jesus says would happen with the Jewish people eventually. 
that they, you know, Paul in Romans 11 even is talking about that the, those the, when the Gentiles come in, that we should we should be that sign to bring the the Jewish people back to know God. That if they are to look and say, hey, look, those people are experiencing the blessings of Abraham. Those are supposed to be ours. I want what they've got. The sign of Jonah. Now, what about us? And what about looking at revival and awakening here? Um, there's, a, there's a few things that I think we really should pull out of this in application for us. Number one is, can, can I just use a, a, an, an Okieism? Okay. <laughs> it ain't about you. It ain't about us. Okay. It's not about our good works. Okay. What what good thing did Jonah do? He rebelled. Right. He went as far opposite of what God told him to do um, as he could, and then everybody on the ship got saved. Then he found, and I think this is really fascinating. Um, chapter two is um, chapter two is is poetic. It's a poem. It's a prayer. It's a psalm. You know that that, G, that Jonah has here that he's he's praying and he's uh, you know it's it's beautiful. Okay, but when he gets to the preaching to Nineveh, right? What is it? Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. He can write this entire psalm, prayer, beautiful prose, you know, this whole thing. And when it gets to preaching, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. I, my bet is that's about all he said. Because I don't think he loved, he wanted to be there in the first place. He was going to fulfill what God wanted him to do, but that's he was not going to go a step further. And yet all of Nineveh, sackcloth and ashes, let's fast. Maybe God will be merciful. So you know what? It ain't about you. Look, this is a message to me. Because, you know, a lot of times we think it's about our good works. And I'm not talking about works trying to get you saved. Okay, that's a whole other issue. But trying to fulfill the purpose of God, we often think it's about what we do. Even good things, things you should do. Okay, it's not about how much you pray. Please keep praying, okay? But it's not about how much you pray. God can do it whether you pray or not. It's not about how good a speaker you are. Everybody repeat after me. For 40 days. Yep, yep, 40 days. Okay, one more. Let's, let's, okay, everybody together. Yet 40 days. Yet 40 days. And Nineveh will be overthrown. 
everyone here is qualified to see to preach well enough for a whole city state of 120,000 to come in to know the, the kingdom, to know Jesus. Okay? That was his message. You all, you all said his message, and so I don't, want, I don't want to hear anybody saying, I can't do that. I can't speak well enough. I can't declare. I can't share the gospel. I can't get... Okay, if, if you all just said that, and that message um, caused an entire 120,000 population people group to repent, any of you all can. It's not about your good works. It's not about how well you speak. It's not about what you do. It's not about how much you read the Bible. All those are really good things. Really good. But it's not going to get you to where you need to go. I'm not saying you should not do those things. But if you're relying on them, you're relying on the wrong thing. See, when it comes down to it, at the very end, you find out it's about the relationship. It's about having a heart for the things that God has a heart for. See, Jonah had a compassion on a plant, is what it said. You had more compassion on a plant than, all, than these 120,000 people. God is saying, I've got compassion on the 120,000 people. It's having a heart for those things that the Lord has a heart for. You know, personally, this is something the Lord just smacked me right in the forehead with uh, earlier. You know, it's like, because I've, I've, I really like to pray and I really like to study and I really like to, I'm like, okay, Lord, if I just pray enough, maybe you'll push us through. You know, if I just know enough, maybe I'll, you know, I'll have the right words to say. If I just study enough, if I just, if I, if I, if I get the message down enough, right, it'll, it'll make things happen. And the Lord says, no, I don't need you. I don't need your good works. I don't need, I don't need your prayers. Pray because you want a relationship with me, not because you need me to do something for you. Study the word just because you love it. Not because it's going to get, get you somewhere. Preach because that's what you're supposed to do. Not because, you know, if you, if you study well enough, if you, if you get the right words to say, it's going to have an impact. He doesn't need me to have an impact on somebody. Now, did Jonah do something? Yeah, but I think he did the very, very bare minimum. Right? Now, we can do better than that. Right? When God tells us to do something, we should do it with all of our hearts. But just because God tells us to do it, and not because, you know, if we, if we do it, that doesn't mean that it's not us. It's not our works. We do it because we love the Lord. And we're going to do it just because He said to, not because we're going to get a result. God brought the people on the ship, and God brought the Ninevites in because it was his good pleasure to do it. Is it his good pleasure to cause an awakening here? I believe it is. 
I really do. I believe that's what he wants. I believe that we are supposed to be that sign for people to look at and go, I want what they've got. But we're going to do it just because of our relationship with him, knowing that he loves us and we love him. Take all the pre- This is going to free some people up. I could, I could just, I'm, I've got two other points. I could just stay right here. Um, this, will free, this will really free you up if you realize that it's not about our works. It's not going to get you where you want to be or where God wants us to be by doing it. It's just by loving him. Knowing him, knowing that he loves us, and knowing that we love him, and he's going to do it just because he's a good dad and loves us. Let me move on really quickly. Um, actually, I kind of... Um, let me just move to this one. Um, the second thing is, I, I mentioned that Nineveh, Jonah, this whole situation was a sign. Okay? It was a sign. It was a sign for people to be able to look and to, to see what... Um, what's happening into chain to turn right who who here is willing to be a sign okay i just used a preacher's trick on you because to have a sign like that you have to have a circumstance every say ouch it was not fun for jonah to be thrown into the water now i will tell you I said, this is probably the one good thing that Jonah did. He offered himself as a sacrifice mm-hmm. for the people in the boat. Mm-hmm. Throw me into the, he didn't jump. He said, throw me in. Right? You offer me as a sacrifice to my God and, it'll be, and uh, you'll be saved. He offered himself as a sacrifice. So in order to be the sign, you're also going to have to have a circumstance. And that can hurt. (laughs) But are you willing? Are you willing to say, okay, Lord, even even if it hurts, I'm willing to do it. Even if it hurts, I'm willing to be that sign. Sometimes that's, that's physical hurts. You know, um, sometimes, you know, people walking in with a physical issue and then walking out without it, that's a sign. Now, we might say, uh, we, we, might get, we might get upset at the physical issue, right? Why did I have to hurt myself? Why did I have to fall off the ladder? Why did I have to, you know, whatever? Do we, do we get upset at it? Or do we say, okay, Lord, you, know, we, you can use this as a sign. Come on. We're, we're, we're in the middle of a circumstance ourselves, okay? And it's easy to get upset. At, trust me, it's really easy to get upset at the circumstance. God, are you serious? <laughs> You want me to do what? No. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> Hello? It's easy to get upset at the circumstance, or we can say, you know what, this is a circumstance that God can use as a sign. I'm preaching to myself here. You can be privy to it if you want. Hello? But are you willing to be that sacrifice for the Lord? Now, we know that, that we can put ourselves in bad spots, right? But a lot of times, it's not us. Remember, it's like the, um, the time, John 9, 2, there's a, 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 blind, a man born blind, and remember Jesus' disciples come to him, Hey, Lord, who sinned? Was it that guy or his parents? And Jesus said, I, I can see Jesus. Who will these guys ever learn? Right? He said, Neither one of them sinned. This happened just for the glory of God. Right? You may be in a circumstance, it's not anybody's doing, but it's for the glory of God. Nobody sinned, nobody did anything wrong. Now, you can put yourself in sin and do something wrong and have circumstances happen, okay? But a lot of times, it's just God doing it for the glory of God. I say, Carolyn is a sign. You know what? Never mind. Okay. You know, we all know she just wrote this book, got this book out, and it is for the glory of God and the amazing things that God has done through Carolyn is a sign to so many people of God's grace and mercy and ability. Oh my goodness. She has done more than most any of us have, right? It is just absolutely amazing. I know you don't like the... Uh, <laughs> But it says for us to honor those whom honors do also. Okay? All right? So, look, are you willing to take that circumstance where you are? Are you willing for God to put you into a circumstance that he can use as a sign later? And that might be saying, okay, throw me overboard. Or it could be taking a circumstance that you're in in life and letting God use that. Because what that sign will do, just like Carolyn's book, is to be a sign for all these people out here that don't know Jesus. That you can say, look, this is what the Lord did. Maybe it's, hey, I walked into here and I walked in with a cane, which we've seen happen. I've walked in with a cane, barely able to walk, and I walked out without it. Or maybe it's walking in and being in a mess and walking out and having the, the addiction or the mess or whatever it is cleared up and being assigned to those people on the outside so that you can say, Here it, here's your sign, right? You want, you want to know if God's real? 
here it is. And that can be an instance that, that, and that's all you have to say. It's not much. To see lots and lots of people come to know the Lord. But you have to be willing. A, you've got to be willing to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'll take the circumstance, Lord, that you put me in. Or I'll take the circumstance that I'm in and let you use it for your glory. And, and, I'm going to tell everybody else, tell everybody about it. I'm going to verbalize, this is what God did. This is what he did to get me through this. And let God use it as a sign for others. Amen. So, number one, it's not about our good works. So all of you guys, none of you can say, I just don't have what it takes, because you do. Each and every one of you. All right? You need to have the heart of the Lord for the people. Have the heart of the Lord for people who are lost. I don't think any of us in here would would um, be upset if people came to know Jesus. Okay? I know you guys well enough to know you'll, you'll be rejoicing. But do we have a heart for our enemies? Do we have a heart to, to go after our enemies and say, hey, look, I'm going to show you love even if you don't show me love? Are you willing to be that sign? Are you willing? Are you willing for God to put you into a circumstance? Are you willing to dive into the circumstance yourself? And are you willing to let God pull you through that and then use that for His glory for others? Let's do it together. And I believe that we're going to see a mighty move of the Lord. So let me, um, let me pray for us. And look, uh, if, you, if, if any of these or spoke to your heart and said, look, that's me. Okay, I want to pray for you this morning. And then uh, after we close, if you have a physical, especially a physical need, if you have, an, if you have a need you'd like a special prayer for, um, don't leave without getting that taken care of today. Okay? Let's pray together. Lord, um, I pray right now for, for those here who have... Um, Lord, they're, they're striving after you. And Lord, I'm, I'm raising my hand. Lord, for those who think by somehow their, their works are going to fulfill your purpose, Lord, we just need to be peaceful in you. Lord, I pray for each, each one of those in here this morning. Lord, that you will um, help us to just be at rest in you. Know your love for us and our love for you and be satisfied with that. Lord, for those that, Lord, we all, we all need a heart for people more. Lord, I'm, I'm chief. Lord, I, I need a heart for the lost more. Lord, give us a heart for the lost. Give us a heart for those who are broken and hurting. Give us a heart for those who are down and out and for those who um, maybe maybe they're not they don't appear broken and hurting maybe they they look like they have it all put together but they really don't they don't know you Lord give us a heart for those people Lord for those who need that heart I pray that you'll touch them this morning 
Lord, for those who uh, are going through a circumstance that you need to provide and only you can. Lord, I pray that you will. I pray that you'll step into that thing, whatever it is, and that you'll open the right doors, that you'll bring the healing or the hope or the, or the um, uh, Lord, the, the promise to each one. Lord, for all of us, Lord, I pray that you'll give us the heart to say, Lord, I'll dive into the circumstance to be assigned later, regardless of the cost. And that's hard. Lord, I just pray you'll bless each person here. Lord, no matter what situation we're all in, I, I think all of us can probably relate at least to one of these things. Lord, I pray that you will work on our hearts. Lord, let us be the people that you've called us to be. And Lord, for those who are not here this morning, because I know there are several out with illness, Lord, we pray that you'll... Um, Heal them and heal them completely and totally, even as we're mentioning it right now, Lord, that the um, that whatever's wrong in their body, that it'll immediately, immediately, Lord, immediately let it be corrected so that they can be assigned next week. Lord, thank you for it. Lord, we will be careful to give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen.